Hi everyone, welcome to Sirsiris, the show where we talk everything books. And I'm your host, Nandini Krishnan. So I've been thinking about the Booker Prize and how I'm actually happy with the outcome. For those who haven't been following it, uh, Paul Lynch's Prophet Song won the prize. And that was the one I was backing. And I've been thinking about all the books that haven't won the Booker Prize, but which have been nominated, which were expected to win. And I wanted to speak today about one of my favorite authors, Jim Craze, who has been shortlisted not once, but twice for the Booker. And the first of his books to be shortlisted was The Spellbinding Quarantine in 1997. And the second was The Harvest in 2013, a book which he said took only six months to write and which he wrote when he was dealing with writer's block for another novel which remains unfinished. It was yet another novel which introduced me to his writing though, Being Dead, published in 1999, which, you know, it's one of those rare novels about which you can say everything without giving anything away because there is no plot as such. The blurb would simply say it is about a couple on their holiday or what was supposed to be their holiday. The book is a delight because it is an experience in itself. It's an immersive experience of being transported to a world created by a master craftsman who can describe everything in such minute detail and yet leave so much scope for the reader's imagination that you feel you're traveling in a world of which you are the only occupant, in some ways a world which you are making yourself as you go. Other than for his characters, of course. It is your world and you can do what you like. And at some point it meets the other world, the real world, the world inhibited by the daughter of the couple. This, um, and I'm talking about being dead, might be the least political of his novels, but actually for a man who is so political himself and has such strong opinions on the world and on Britain and on social justice, his works are immensely subtle and contemplative. In fact, I'd interviewed him 10 years ago and you can find the link on Fountain Inc. And I asked him this very question and he told me that if you're using your writing as a campaign vehicle, you should be writing pamphlets and not novels. And I simply love that attitude. So for him, writing is all about storytelling. It's about leaving the facts behind and therefore through fiction, looking at other facts, the facts of the world outside his novels, the facts of the lives we live and the things we do and the things we don't do and the things that perhaps we should do. And here's a little nugget which tells you just how intricate his descriptions are. He told me how he was once on a panel with the famous evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins and Dawkins asked him about a particular insect that he had written about in some detail in Being Dead. And apparently he said, Jim, I've never heard of this insect. Where did you read about it and which place is it native to? And Jim Chris had the pleasure of telling him that he had entirely made this up. He had imagined this insect. I would later read his Harvest, which has a medieval setting and a sense of the brutal idea of justice that existed in the Middle Ages. And in some strange way, it reminded me of this 2011 film, The Mill and the Cross, uh, which itself draws upon the painting, The Mill, uh, no, draws upon the painting, The Procession to Calvary by Peter Bruegel the Elder, 
as well as a book on the painting by Michael Francis Gibson, which was called The Mill and the Cross. Unlike in the painting and in the film, there's no referencing um, of Jesus Christ in the novel. I mean, obviously, it was set in the 1500s or in the Middle Ages, but one gets the sense that it was set around the same period that the painting was created because of that fact. And your religion could still be reason for persecution by the state. And persecution essentially meant you were being tortured on one of those devices that the engineers of the Middle Ages seemed to delight in coming up with, um, you know, innovative means of pushing the body to extreme pain. And sometimes for the slightest of things, such as petty theft. I remember all these years later, uh, how much I love the way Chris brings alive the process of making sheets of vellum on which maps were drawn. This is among his more, uh, his most, I would say, densely plotted novels. And I think if you're not used to his style of writing, it might be a good place to start. And that brings me to another aspect of his writing. He doesn't usually have settings for his novels. In fact, early in his career, that was one of his most political acts, the absolute refusal uh, to set his novels in a particular country or give his characters a particular face. And in fact, reviewers had started referring to uh, his settings as Kreisland. I suppose in a way it tells us that we could all be each other, that any country could be any other, that we are all capable of the same things and that we could all undergo the same things. And it makes me wonder whether the 1980s were a better time to write than now, you know, like... Now publishers seem to want us to be so overtly political and so temporally and spatially specific that our fiction is essentially fact disguised as fiction. And this aspect of his writing is most evident, the setting of Kreisland as it's called, is most evident in his first book Continent, um, Continent, which is basically a collection of stories which makes you question them. The stories themselves make you question the very idea of truth. And there's another interesting uh, little anecdote about this. So the 1980s were apparently a time when writers didn't have to woo literary agents. In fact, it was the other way around. And Jim Chris had been a journalist for a fair bit. And even before he conceived of the idea that would become his debut continent, David Godwin had gone all the way to Birmingham to convince him to write a novel. And that brings me to what might be my favorite book by Jim Craze, Quarantine. Back when I read it and back when it was written in 1997, it obviously didn't have the same connotations as it does post-pandemic. It had, in fact, to do with the 40 days Jesus Christ spent wandering the desert. And it is one of the most tender, powerful books written about a central character who comes across in turns as vulnerable, delusional, pitiful, and actually sometimes dangerous. And I found it terribly interesting that an atheist, and Jim Crace is a self-declared atheist, um, that he would choose this particular subject. And as I would discover when I discussed the book with the author himself, it was his intention to undermine our core ideas of faith. I wouldn't say undermine, maybe to, to make us question our ideas of faith. For instance, that the power comes from elsewhere in the universe, that our determination and our pushing ourselves to overcome the slightest and the greatest of obstacles does not come from within ourselves, but from some mythic and divine force. 
As it happened, a great many readers wrote to him speaking about how the book had helped them find their faith. And in my own case, um, it was a book that left me feeling incredibly strong and yet exhausted. Um, and I think it is a book that everyone must read at least once in one's lifetime. So Jim Crace said after Harvest that he would retire from writing, but some years later he wrote Melody. This book does have a central theme and one that finds echo throughout the world, which is the buying up of land by developers from people who have ownership of prime real estate, but then uh, no money to do anything about it. But it is also the life, uh, it is also about the life of a grieving widower. And in a way, it evokes our tendency to, uh, you know, want to cling on to something that gives us a sense of sameness right after we've suffered a loss that has been life-changing, that has changed us forever. And when something is wrenched from us, how do we exercise our control again? Uh, or do we choose not to? Do we just let go of everything because it no longer matters? Or do we hold on tighter than ever to the things that we can control? I'm afraid I haven't read his latest book, Eden, which was published in 2022. And that's something that I'm going to set right. And if you haven't read him, you should set that right too. So happy reading and I'll meet you in a couple of weeks with a new subject and a new author and perhaps a guest. In the meantime, do send your feedback to F-E-E-D-B-A-C-K.